the nerds take over. Us? Huh? Well, it's one of the first ones that's supposed to be within universe. That's a feature film. The yeah. others have been okay, yeah, yeah. like Lucas and Love, things like that. Even right, Fanboys gotcha. is considered a fan film ish. And then there's five, twenty five, seventy seven. But within the universe itself, there aren't very many uh, fan films to be a feature length film. Revan is one of them, though. That is feature length. Yes, but there's yeah, not many. Well, we're going to be the first one ever to do a trilogy. This this is not just one film. This is three films. All right, cool. Well, welcome <laughs> to this very special episode of Nerdables. We are joined by Star Wars Will the Force creator and executive producer, Stephen Sebastian. He's here to discuss his Star Wars fan film, which is, as we were just saying, one of the first fan films to be a feature-length film. I'm R.A. Rain. I'm joined by Chris, Ethan, Mikey, Sebastian. So, uh, Stephen... Yes. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about your uh, your fan film? Okay, well, it is a Star Wars fan film. It's feature length. Um, it's a passion project in that we are dedicating film to childhood cancer research. Um, matter of fact, if we got a fundraiser going and anything above and beyond what we need to make the film that is donated since you can't make money, you cannot profit from a Star Wars uh, fan film or any fan film for that matter because Disney owns rights. So what we're going to do is we're going to donate anything that's left over. We're going to split it equally between Make-A-Wish Foundation and St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Okay. So how did the idea for Will of the Force come about? It was about two years ago, uh, right after Force Awakens came out. My daughter and I went to see it, and uh, she was so just enamored by Ray. She she wanted to be just like her. Uh, I had recently seen some short films, including that Darth Maul film, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I can do that. And I told her we could make a short film. And she got really excited. You know, I get to be in a movie, Daddy? Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and I began writing the story from there. And it was a 10-minute film. Uh, the original title for it was The Fallen Apprentice because I always wanted it to be an origin story for Mara Jade. I had, a, at the time, seven years old, seven-year-old girl, got to do a Mara Jade origin story. And uh, But my wife didn't want to play Tira, the mother, because I was going to do the parents and the little girl. Uh, my wife didn't want to play Tira, so... I had to find another actress, and I found this woman named Vicky, but she was also a casting director, and she went batshit crazy. She started hiring all these people and getting all these people involved, and I had to write parts for people that were never in the film. You know, like the, the original film was a short film. It was going to be about 10 minutes long. That's it. Uh, that turned into 20, and then 30, and then 45, and then we had a two-hour film, and now I'm actually writing the second film in the tr in the in the trilogy, and the second film is going to be called The New Kingdom, uh, but we got to get through Will of the Force first, and then there'll be a third film after that that's as yet untitled, and I'm going to pull a you know Lucas film, and I'm not going to announce that title until we get ready to release the film. <laughs> okay, um, what kind of filmmaking background do you have? 
Well, I started out as a wedding videographer, actually. I've been doing that for about 20 years. And uh, if you know anything about wedding videos, if any of you have ever tried to do them, you only get one take. I mean, there's no script. There's no do-overs. You either get it or you don't. So I was used to run-and-gun shooting. And, you know, my original idea for this fan film was to do, as I said, a short. So it was going to be just, you know, my expensive video equipment that I use for weddings and some shotgun mics and lapel mics. And we were just going to, you know, make a film in the woods with lightsabers with an interesting, you know, backstory about Mara Jade. Mm -hmm. uh, now we've gotten so far into this that it goes far beyond my filmmaking ability. Uh, I've got Emil Livingston, who is my co-director, Justin Fick, our editor, Stephen Bryan is going to be involved. Uh, we've got Tony Rosen, who's doing all of our practical effects, including some stop motion. Um, so it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And now we just got a guy who has uh, all the cameras we could ever need for cameras on down to magic. Uh, so we're we're ready to go. I mean, we're, we're in gear. So I, I have to ask, your, your director, um, directing a, a film, whether it's a short or, you know, a, a semi-short, it, it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. Doing a feature, there's a lot of guys that have uh, been in the business and been training for a while that, you know, even are scared to do that because there's just so much that you have to put into it, time, effort, and, you know, just vision-wise. Your director, how, how much experience have they had? Oh, quite a bit. Uh, they've done several films, uh, quite a few feature films, actually. Uh, yeah, I couldn't do this by myself. I mean, this is going to take a village, and it's huge. Uh, we've, uh, um, the people we've got are just amazing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, you said, but yeah, no, you've written, you said you were, you've written this, um, do you have any formal writing training, or what's? Uh, is there anything else you've had that just been published that you know somebody might be able to go look at? It's kind of funny. No, actually, I don't. I know that sounds ridiculous, and that I have a lot of audacity for attempting something of this nature. But uh, there's a, a little bit of natural talent involved. Uh, I have a 600-page novel that I'm in the finish in the process of finishing. Uh, it should be out in a matter of months. It's called The Third Horse. Um, I've been in theater and acting and, and stuff like that my whole life. So I've been involved in stuff like that. So I've seen both sides of the camera, both sides of the stage. And, you know, we learn by doing. It's trial and error. You know, that, that's the extent of my schooling is the school of trial and error. But okay. I've got some people that have been to school that, that know what they're doing. Mm. Uh, as far as your cast and crew, um... You mentioned you had somebody doing your practical effects. I know we, when we were talking earlier, you have a guy that's doing your visual effects and your CGI. Um, how how devoted are they to your project? Because it sounds like you're very, I mean, obviously you're very you know devoted to it, but for a project like this, I know you were talking to me um, when we were just doing our pre-interview about how passionate they were. Um, are they there to, to give you a, a good quality or, you know, how, how, what kind of quality are you looking to, to get out of this? Well, to be as good as it could possibly be. I've seen some pretty bad fan films online. I'm not going to point any fingers at anybody or, or say, you know, that I'm in any position to critique anybody else's work. But yeah. that being said, I've, I've seen some pretty cheesy things. 
But that's kind of why, why I was asking that question because yeah, I've you know, well, yeah, making films and I've made some pretty cheesy films myself. Well, and, I, I even I was telling Rich earlier that you know when uh, I see most of the Star Wars fan films, they either have good actors but poor visual effects, or the or the vice versa. And so that's why you know, like I feel that was one of the questions that we wanted to ask you is how how have you taken uh, steps to make sure that you have a good film as far as making sure that everything's on point, not just, you know, the story or the acting or the visual effects, but you want to make sure that everything works well enough to be something that's going to be successful. Wow. Ethan, I think that's the most words you put in one sentence on here in a long time. (laughs) (laughs) It happens. No. Yeah. Well, our effects artist uh, is amazing. He's just I know I can't talk enough about the guy. He is, he's got a bachelor's degree in visual effects or something. I, I, he actually, I know I've got it right in front of me. Uh, he's got a bachelor's degree in film and 3d animation. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's worked on a handful of movies such as the changeover where he was the VFX artist for that film. Uh, that's one of his more recent works and his name is Justin Fick, but yeah, all of our people are really devoted. Uh, they, you know, we've got several green screen shots. We've got lightsabers, blasters. Um, there right. is some green. There is some green screen, but not a lot. We're not overdoing it with the green screen. We're using a lot of practical sets, practical effects as well, which is good. I think um, there's know. a force. There's there's a force ghost to the film, but I can't say much more than oh, yeah. without spoiling it. You know. Oh yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, well, I know Chris, you got some questions about the funding and the the. Yeah, uh, I think that's the, the the kind of follow up question is is obviously it's an ambitious project. It's going to take some money. So why don't you tell us how we plan or you plan on funding this type of film? Drugs. There we go. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> that's what you said. That's what you said last week. Um, <laughs> that is. <laughs> we like drugs and i was like whoa really uh okay sure we'll go with that um no i put a I put a lot of money into this my own personal fortune you know everything i've got into this thing i'm gonna end up divorced if this thing goes any farther um but uh yeah she keeps looking at me like she wants a very heavy ashtray on my forehead while i'm sleeping but um our our casted crew have been uh, offering and donating things i mean like i'll i we even have a, a little uh one of our castmates has a little model of uh space mountain from disney world oh. and it's all shiny metal and it's going to be on mara's little table in her in her hut mm-hmm. as kind of an homage to disney and and you know a little little easter egg in the background so they keep donating these little things our our costume designer bev horvath she has spent her own money to go out to thrift stores all over North Carolina, finding things that would fit in the Star Wars universe and then sitting down at a sewing machine and altering them. Uh, Cecil is doing all of our already built our torture device and, uh, you know, lightsabers are being worked on. He's built like two or three blasters and he's actually making an entire Mandalorian costume from scratch. So the funding all come from private, or are you searching for public funding as well? What do you mean by public? We're, we've got a fundraiser. Yeah, uh, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, want to get into yeah. the fundraising for Like so. crowdsourcing, or you yeah. know, are you doing car washes, whatnot, you know. Car washes? No. Local stuff, you know. 
You what can is do this, a car Andy? wash? I, can, I, I do a car wash. It's not a high school production. You know how many car washes are in Southern California? Yeah, I know. I would never make a dollar. <laughs> Look, you go out and you find all the girls off the beach. And no, they already do that. It's called the high school cheerleading car wash <laughs> one. Anyway, so I yeah, back to your I phone. The, 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 the public fundraising or crowdsourcing. We, yeah, we saw I that there's some for that, yeah. I can't do a car car wash. No one wants to see me in a bikini, trust me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've got a fundraiser. It's actually F-U-N-D-R-A-Z-R. I found the site. It's an amazing site. I love it. And uh, you can go to fundraiser, F-U-N-D-R-A-Z-R.com slash will of the force. And you should be able to find it. If not, you can go to our Facebook page, which is Facebook forward slash S-W-W-O-T-F. S-W-W-O-T-F. So just the acronym of the title. Exactly. And you go down and you can scroll down and you'll find links to our fundraiser. And on our fundraiser, we get some really cool perks. I mean, we got a thank you perk, which will get them uh, credits, at, you know, on the end of the film, the final credits. It'll have a special thanks section. We got a VIP closed private group, and that's like 15 bucks, and they can get access to a, a closed group in Facebook that they'll get to see stuff that no one else gets to see. We're actually going to have a film within a film because while we're shooting uh, Will of the Force, I'm going to have a video team shooting us shooting it, sort of, sort of a making of kind of thing, and they're going to get to see that because they're part of the VIP group. Uh, they also get to see the cast uh, audition reels. Um, I'm putting them on there, and no one else will get to see that but them. Uh, you get a signed movie poster. They can get a walk-on role for 25 bucks as an extra. They could get... Uh, Invite to a VIP private screening. Two movie theaters so far in North Carolina that are privately owned are going to show this film on the big screen uh, for free. We're going to do an only uh, red carpet kind of thing and invite the media and get some promotion with that. That's but uh, yeah, there's two things in private one theater. Yeah. I know there are a few. You got to look for them. Yeah. Uh, you could get, for 75 bucks, they could get a signed copy of the shooting script, but signed by the, all the cast and crew. Uh, they can get a featured walk-on role where I'll actually write in a part for them. And, uh, you know, they can get a VIP shooting invite so they can bring a date or a friend or whatever and actually sit in on actual shooting days. Um, they can, and of course, associate producer, they can get uh, a signed, authentic copy of a lightsaber. And what that means is, is that we're going to have jedi in this film obviously mm -hmm. they're going to be wielding lightsabers we've got inquisitors so they can choose between which lightsaber they want and then the cast member who used that lightsaber as well as the two directors and the producers will sign a letter of authenticity and we will send them that actual stunt lightsaber so they can actually get a piece of the film That's cool. so what kind of producer. what kind of goal are you looking for um, like what, what's your funding goal we we are trying to raise an additional fifty fifty thousand uh, dollars on top of everything else we've already put in. Okay. So we figure we figure fifty will get us there. We actually don't think it'll be that much. That's why I said anything that's left over will be donated to Make a Wish Foundation and St. Jude's Children's Hospital. So, you know, if we only need twenty thousand and we raise fifty, thirty thousand will be divvied up. If we raise two hundred thousand, if we only need twenty grand, the rest of it's going to the charities. Uh, or and some of it, of course, will go towards at that point. I mean, if we started raising an epic amount of money, we would put that towards the sequel. You know, the new the new kingdom. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
the lightsabers that you're you're going to have are these lightsabers you guys are making? Are you buying them from? Well, you know, like I know there's uh, what Ultra Sabers, some of the others that are out there that make stunt sabers. Um, there is one. There is one from Ultra Sabers we absolutely have to get because it's Mara Jade's saber. I think it's called the Emperor's Hand. Right. Uh, it's on Ultra Sabers. It's the purple lightsaber, and it is exactly the same hilt that they that they've shown in illustrations and comic books. So we are actually ordering that saber from Ultra Sabers because it, it is Mara Jade's saber. Now, because the reason I ask is I'm just when you mentioned that um, that the um, one of the perks is you know I think you said it was for seventy five dollars they can get this lightsaber. Um, the only it, the only reason I bring this up is because it almost seems like it might be a flag that you're now selling merchandise for you know. For, as a perk, we can get into that later. Yeah, that's right. That's the back end. Let's do all the positive stuff first. Oh no, no, no! I am. I just, I just, I want. Yeah. I, I happen to think of that no, when as soon as I heard it, because I, I, you know, that's worrisome. Because I know that when we've talked about, you know, on my own project mm -hmm. that I'm working on, that we are talking about selling a miniature of something, and it comes very close to copyright infringement, and yeah. you know, I wouldn't want that to happen to you. Um, well, I mean, we're not we're not selling actual Star Wars lightsabers per se. I mean, yes, it was made in a it was in a fan film, but it's it's actually merchandise from it's not merchandise. It's it's props. It's things that that were think of it as more memorabilia um, than merchandise. But yeah, I people build R two units all the time and sell them. I mean, we're not doing anything that that's going to raise any flags with Disney. I don't think. Actually, they. Yeah, with the R2 builders, you can't sell the actual unit. You can sell pieces to be made into the unit. I know, I, I know, because I just... That's the, that's the loophole. It's kind of like the... You can sell the parts, but you can't sell the, the completed... That's the yeah. semantics of it, yes. Once, yes. A complete, once a complete item, you can't even print them perfectly. And in his case, you know, selling a prop from a movie that he's done is kind of a quote-unquote loophole as far as right. getting around a merchant. We'll get into that type of stuff. But that's why I was asking where they were coming from. Yeah, yeah. we'll talk about the, the rights things later because that's all, that's all I think one big thing as we get through. We wanted to talk about distribution. The film's made, you said you're going to show it in local theaters, in local privately owned theaters. Where else do you plan on distributing the film once it's completed? YouTube and possibly Vimeo. But I, I'm thinking more along the lines of YouTube. Uh, it's pretty much all we can do. You know, we can't charge for it. We can't have it tied to anything that 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 can make money. I've got to make I that that site is not monetized on on YouTube. Right. You know, want to yeah. cover all of our bases with that. Well, that's uh, the question in in terms of YouTube because you talk about monetization. I mean, there are ads that run in front of any number uh, of videos. It's something you can turn off on YouTube though. So if you wanted to sure. share it on YouTube, you can turn off the AdSense where he won't get any ads on it, but you won't get any money from the movie either. So yeah, yeah. I mean the YouTube would probably be a, a good outlet. Vimeo would be a good one, and I'm sure there's other video services out there. Well, Vimeo I like because they can download it. Yeah. What about doing it on your own website? Well, obviously, yes. There'll be a, a copy of it on our personal website. It'll be on our Facebook page. It'll be pretty much everywhere we can throw it on there for free. Okay. Um, I'm going to talk about your cast and crew. Cause actually, we've been flipping through the uh, Facebook page here with some of the headshots and pictures of some of the people that are attached to the film. Do you have people that are that are you know been acting before? Are they trained professionals? Are they... New to the business, people are just trying to break in. 
And you mentioned some of them already, and you probably answered a little bit of this question, but I just kind of want to focus on that. A little of all of the above. Yeah. A little of all of the above. I found, like, this one guy, Emil, who is our co-director, I didn't have anybody to play the part that he's playing. He's playing hardened core, uh, the pirate king, the pirate horde leader. Um, I didn't have anybody to play that role. I couldn't find anybody that I really liked that fit my vision of what this character was. And, I mean, we are so detail-oriented in this film. It's unbelievable. It's like every little minute detail is being accounted for so that this thing is as, as authentic Star Wars as we could possibly make it without a $200 million budget. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't have anybody to play uh, hard and core. And Emil goes, well, I could do it. And I said, well, have you ever acted in anything? He's like, no. So I kind of rolled my eyes and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, uh, send me an audition, you know, pick some lines out of the script and yeah, throw me an audition. I'll take a look at it. And I, I honestly, I don't think he even knows this, so he's going to find out when he hears this, that I really didn't think he'd be able to pull it off. I thought, no, he's never acted before. He's never been in front of a camera. This is not happening. This dude set up a table with the, it was a dinner scene that he picked out and he set up a table with a bowl and candles. It was a two camera shoot. He did a two camera audition reel. And I mean, it was so mind blowingly amazing. I was like, Holy crap. This is, this is, this is Harden. And, and, and I, I got him on the spot. I said, yeah, you're doing the part and he's ready. Uh, I have some people that have been in, in, you know, quite a few films. Uh, you know, our, our, we have a 13-year-old named Sabrina Lehman. She's been in several films. She was just recently in a film that was directed by Michael Landon Jr., you know, the grandson of uh, uh, Little House on the Prairie, Michael Landon. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got, some, we've got some veterans, and we've got some newbies. We're working with the newbies. We're teaching them. I've got two people that are learning British accents, and it is hysterical to hear someone who talks like this trying to do a British accent. <laughs> it is absolutely hysterical. How big is your cast? How many people do you have? Ball 35 so far, 35. but we're not finished casting. <laughs> that 35, how many, I mean, is that starring, co-starring, uh, you know, five and under lines? starring. That's a really long film. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> no, is, you know, I mean, it's a, you, it's a you lot can of have cast, you know, you can have, you know, day players, which would be there for one day, and they would be doing, you know, five lines and under. You know, they're still, right. they're still part of your cast. It's just they're not, you know, you're... You measure feature length. How how long are you shooting for in terms of time? Uh, you you mean final runtime? Yeah. Again, ballpark. Right now, ballpark based on table reads that we've done, where we've done a read through and actually paused for the action sequences, two hours five minutes. Okay. Yeah, so usually, it, it, usually you can tell with uh, like how many pages your script are. You usually figure it's like a minute per page. Minute yeah. per page, right? Well, yeah, we right. Know, right. I mean, action sequences. It's, you know, well, yeah, action sequences can usually go a lot quicker, but or they can go a lot longer. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, true. like like the they, they fight opening. with lightsabers can be twenty minutes if you <laughs> want. We've seen that. Yeah, exactly. My opening scene of the film is going to be. I'll, I'll kind of spoil that because uh, our our editor Justin Fick, our VFX editor, is actually working on this right now, and I have seen the stills from mm-hmm. what he's working on. But it'll be a uh, arc one fifty. You know what those are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it, it'll be an arc 150, and you're gonna follow it. It's gonna fly by, and then it's gonna the camera's gonna zoom in on it, and it's gonna fly through a battle with because this the film starts out during episode around episode two or three, right in the middle of episode two and three. Okay. So it starts out as a prequel area film, 
Um, but so you see this ARC-150 fly through a major space battle with battle cruisers and battleships and all these different things and, and uh, you know, Federation starships and all that. And it flies through the battle and then enters the atmosphere. As soon as it enters the atmosphere and start, stops buffeting, the camera will drop away from the ship and you'll see a massive ground battle on the ground mm -hmm. uh, with, with battle droids, and Jedi, and, and, and all the different, you know, ground vehicles. And then that cuts to the first scene with me and Jedi Master Zoxan Torin. I play Othar Jade, Mara Jade's father. And I had a lot of creative license in that because when I did all my research, remember, we've been working on this for two years now. So we've done a lot of homework. Yeah. And there, there really isn't a backstory to Mara. I mean, the only thing I've ever found mentioned about her family is that she was taken from her family by the Emperor. Um, so I went crazy. I created Othar Jade, her father, Kira Jade, her mother, who is actually a member of the Sean family going all the way back to Bastilla and or Bastille and, and Revan and all of them. So mm -hmm. she's, she's part of the Sean family. Uh, we actually mention uh, we, we give homage to uh, Star Wars, the old Republic. And we mentioned Satil Sean uh, yeah. in the film that she is the great, great granddaughter of Satil Sean. Um, and she marries Othar Jade and they have a child and you know, you'll find out the rest when you see the film, but right. Okay, yeah, it sounds uh, sounds interesting. So, <laughs> selecting Mara Jade. Now, such an iconic character who is arguably within the top five of the old EU as far as uh, fan favorite characters. Uh, what kind of process have you gone through to select Mara? Number, she's number, the only one that made the one. top yeah. fifty. Yeah, she's the only EU character to be in Star Wars Insiders. Top fifty Star Wars characters. Oh, well, yeah, yes, canon and non-canon. Selected and by fans. Amazing. Yeah, she was like four fifty or forty nine. So she's the only non-canon character that's ever been in a top favorite character poll. I'm surprised they still haven't done a six inch for her now, since they did Jaina. I think it's been announced. Has it? Has it? Fan pick, yeah. Anyway, so uh, what what kind of process have you gone through to uh, to match up such an iconic character? Well. I've always loved that character. I mean, she is one of the few that have ever gone from dark side to light. I mean, there were, uh, Vader did it, you know, for a minute before he died. Uh, but there have been very few that have gone to the dark side and come back. And then when she became Mara Jade Skywalker and was a Jedi Master, that just blew my mind. I mean, I absolutely love that character and, and, and the, rich back, the rich story about her. But again, you don't, I found a niche. I was like, well, this character has no origin story. They've never mentioned her family. They've never mentioned where she came from and where she was born and how she became the Emperor's Hand, how she went dark side and, you know, all that. So I just started writing the story and I said, you know, I'm going to come up with something original that's never been tackled and here we are. And I, and I think I think I do do it justice. A lot of people that have read this that are even more hardcore Mara fans than I am have said, wow, that's uh, that's awesome. <laughs> So, have you read it yet? Did I, I think I sent you the script? You did. I have read. I've read part. I haven't got all the way through it yet. I've uh, I've, I've had some uh, uh, scripts and things of my own I had to take care of this week. Um, but I wanted to ask you because I haven't gotten that far in it, and just so you can get it out there, um, are we going? I know you said this takes place over thirty years. Are we going to see the Morrow that we have come to know as the Emperor's Hand? It's hard to say that without spoiling it. Um, um, Mark Hamill mentioned her in an interview just recently where he talks about her. So if Mark Hamill mentioned it, I consider that canon. But um, 
years. He's like, yeah, I had a wife. I never knew it. Um, but what I'm if someone were to make a standalone Mara Jade story that in her early days as the Emperor's hand, that my film could lead right up to that, if that makes any sense. He's a teenager uh, at the end of our film. Okay, yeah, because that's where I was kind of going with that. Uh, the first part of that question is where would we yeah. see her end up? Um, yeah, she, she's 13 years old at the end of the film, let's put it that way. Okay. So are there any other EU characters or the old EU characters that you're planning on putting in this? Where are we looking with characters? Well, there's the, he, uh, my character, Othar Jade, actually has a conversation with Obi-Wan, and we have looked high and low, I mean crazy looking for and we finally found one an actor who can do ewan mcgregor's version of obi-wan kenobi because he talks to him on a comm link and it's a very short conversation he's like oh thought jade you must report to the council immediately you know and he he nails it he's absolutely perfect with it mm-hmm. and um so that we you know obi-wan is a is a cameo sort of thing you hear him anyway um yoda is a cameo you hear him you don't see him he's also on a comm link uh, as far as EU characters, I mean, other than the references to the Sean family, Bastilla and Revan, there aren't really any featured in there except R2KT, but actually she's a canon droid now, so... Yeah. I actually want so to ask you about a, that. I mean, it, there is... You're out there, but, you're including R2KT in the film, yes? Or attempting to? Yes, I've, I've had conversations with Alvin Johnson, and he said he's going to make it happen. And we're going to have R2-KT in the film. That's cool. Yeah, the actual R2-KT. He's bringing the drug to us. <laughs> well, I know when you and I talked, you said that you originally were going to have it mentioned. Then you were writing a scene. How much screen time is she going to end up with? Probably about, let's see, she's got, oh, damn. I'm, there's 72 scenes in this film. So <laughs> I've got to go through them in my head. Uh, the first time we meet her, she's talking to my character. It's a flashback scene like the scene the camera cuts from her to me to her to me to her to me while we're talking while i'm talking to her on a comm link um another scene i'm walking alongside of her uh when i'm headed into town kind of thing and there's another scene where she kind of plays a nanny uh tira leaves young toddler petra she's uh, a year old and leaves her on a little bearskin kind kind of blanket and says, KT, keep an eye on her for a minute, will you? And she goes inside to, to meditate or whatever. And the kid just starts crawling off. And, and KT has to run around and stop her. And then she shoots this one cable out across to another tree and creates like a fence around her. And she goes to reach into the fire and she tries to put her hand in the fire. So KT runs up to the fire and shoots out that little uh, fire extinguisher that R2 had and puts out the fire. And, you know, so she's doing all this stuff. And then she corrals her back to the little blanket by showing a dancing um, uh, Gungan or whatever. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're gonna, we haven't really figured out what character we're going to put on that, but it's going to be a little dancing character. And she does a hologram on the blanket and little, little, we call her Petra. Uh, in the film, in the, her she is named after her grandmother Petra Jade. She doesn't become Mara Jade till later in the film, and uh, the Emperor—I'll spoil that—the Emperor is the one that gives her her name. But uh, she—that's uh, when she becomes Mara. But before that, she's Petra Jade. Okay. So 
Uh, just real quick, uh, we'll stop everybody real quick uh, before another question. The R2KT, in case people are wondering what uh, is so special about this droid, R2KT was created for Alban Johnson and his family for their daughter, Katie Johnson. Um, who I, do you remember what... Uh, what her, I know mean, she had cancer, but I don't remember what it was. She had, she had brain cancer. Brain cancer, that's right. And she had been in love with R2-D2, and one of the R2 builders built a pink droid in honor of her and named it R2-KT and presented it to her right before her passing. So she did get to meet the droid. Um, but after and it, the, the 501st, who Alvin Johnson actually helped create, which is the Emperor's hand, or excuse me, uh, Vader's hand, which has gone from being just the fan cosplay to actual troop building to now established canon within the Star Wars universe, adopted the droid as part of the the Vader's Fist, you know, official droid. Um, so R2KT actually belongs to Alba Johnson. Fits. Huh? Pink droid. Well, the, they, <laughs> pink, they, pink beautiful droid that does all the good things with the guys who end up murdering well, it's everybody. Like they say. It's, it's, the, it's the, you know, she has the heart of gold. Yes. And then she murders Jedi children. <laughs> well, like the rest of the five of <laughs> She's in part of actually, that. Actually, KT was in Force Awakens in a background scene. Yeah. She was in. She, she was in two scenes of that, and she was also in uh, the Clone Wars. Clone Wars. Yeah. yeah, Clone Wars. So she, she was R two. She was she was R two Q T in that one. Well, no, they actually had her as R two K T, and then they made R two Q T after that. Oh, I thought. Uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, the little Snips. What was her name? Ahsoka. Yeah, Ahsoka. Didn't she call her Cutie? No, there there was an R two Q T. That was in the. It, it had a different paint scheme than R two K T. But R two. Oh, I I thought that was R two K T. I thought she was calling her cutie. Okay, got no, it. No, no, no. R two K T does appear in uh, a couple hanger shots uh, with the Fovo first, and there is a a couple close ups of her. And then they also did um, where there was a Lego one of the Lego cartoons that they did. They have her and R two. Um, come together in a hallway in one of the Star Destroyers and she actually has this little like heart around her, you know, like a, a thought bubble and she would had a crush on R2 with it. Yeah, isn't she in a hangar in Dakar or whatever? Yeah. yeah. And she has an action figure. And well, the, action yeah, figure. the action figure was a, started out as a Comic-Con exclusive. It was an SDCC yeah. uh, charity exclusive. Yep. In 07, I think. Something like that. Yeah, it was somewhere. Yeah. Back when you used to be able to get those. You used to walk up to the Lucasfilm booth and you could actually buy stuff right there. Like yeah. <laughs> Crazy well, the way the way we ended up putting R2KT in this thing is, I was so moved when I heard about her passing back in 2005 that I always said if I ever did a, a Star Wars fan film that I would dedicate it in her memory, and I'd always wanted to mention, like I said, I, before we got confirmation from Albin, we were only going to have one scene where we mentioned R2KT. Uh, he talks to her on a comm link, and you hear the beeping, but you never see the droid. Um, but I had gone to the R2 Builders Association and I said, hey, because I talked to my, I talked to Justin first off. I said, Justin, he's our editor, VFX editor. I said, can you digitally change a blue droid to pink? And he said, absolutely, not a problem. He's a cake. And I said, it'll look real. He goes, oh yeah, you'll never notice the difference. I was like, okay, I love your confidence. 
So I went to the R2, R2 Builders Association. I said, can anybody loan me an R2 unit? Does anybody have one in the North Carolina area that would want their droid to film? We're going to turn it into R2KT, but, you know, it'll still be your droid. And this guy posted on there and he said, you really should get Alvin Johnson's permission. Talk to the Johnson family before you mention this droid in your film out of respect for the family. And I'm like, derp, didn't even think of that. Yeah, that, that'd probably be a good idea. Mm-hmm. And I, re- I reached out to him by email and he, he responded back. And lo and behold, now we've got the actual droid. And uh, so we've always wanted to do that. And our film's going to start off. It's going to have motion, sound, and magic. And then it's going to say South Creek Media, LLC. And then it's going to have a black screen that's going to come up. And it's going to say, in loving memory of Katie Johnson, 1998 to 2005. And then it'll say, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And we're doing this with no scroll. This is going to be uh, Rogue One-esque. Where it won't even say Star Wars. It'll, it'll be the opening scene, and then it'll have Will of the Force. Yeah, yeah. With uh, KT, I mean, she is a, she is an icon within the RT builders. Where and she's almost um, sacred ground. Where you know, I think only one or two builders have even you know they they've mimicked the colors, but they've changed them slightly so they're not the exact same pink as what KT is. Just because, uh, out of respect for you know Alvin and, and Katie, um, and along that lines, what are you doing as far as with KT to um, include the Johnson family with you know? Are you including them with these script decisions, or are you are you having them um, you know involved in any way to to make sure that uh, KT is used properly? I sent Alvin a copy of the script. Uh, he is reviewing it. Um, he's going to let me know what he thinks of, of our use, if it's too much or too little or not enough. Um, I have not spoken to him on the phone yet. I'm still waiting to have a conversation with him. He's a very busy man. Yeah. It's very hard to reach. But uh, he's supposed to call me. He would have called me by the time we did this podcast, but I'm still waiting. Uh, he has assured me that he will call, though, and I'm going to offer him executive producer and if he wants it, uh, if he wants to have any of his friends or himself or anybody in this thing as a cameo, I'd love to have him in the film. I'd make him a pirate in a heartbeat. <laughs> I, you know, pirates are cool. Space pirates are even Space better. Pirate. Space pirate. You've um, got a lot. Of, and oh, and our, our our pirate hardened core and his clan, they're Black Sun. Hmm. So, how many visual effects shots do you have? Because I knew you said something, you had something like what, 71, 72 scenes? 72 scenes, yes. How many of those are your uh, your CGI effects shots? Well, there are six lightsaber battles. Uh, that's any indication. Um, you know, some blaster effects. Uh, we've got some CGI, like one of our characters jumps over a bonfire and his, his, the tail of his cloak catches fire. We're not going to set our actor on fire. We're going to do it digitally. <laughs> uh, we've got a scene. They didn't sign up for getting, getting set on fire. Dude, it's not, you can yeah. do whatever you want. You can set them on fire. Yeah. Immol- immolation was not in their contract. Uh. Non-sank. We probably could get away with setting our actors on fire, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's the great thing about not being union is we don't have to answer to them when we immolate a, an actress. But uh, when 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 he jumps over the fire, he catches fire. So we're going to do that digitally, obviously. We've mm-hmm. got a Jedi temple scene. Actually, the interesting thing, I've reached out to the North Carolina chapter of Make-A-Wish Foundation. 
asking them if there are any children that have ever wanted to be in a movie or be in a film or especially a Star Wars film that they can be, we can give an opportunity to terminal children to actually be in this film in the Jedi Temple as Padawans. Uh, those that are in a wheelchair and cannot walk, we'll have them sitting down and levitating objects. Those that can will be in lightsaber training with masters um, and there'll be extras. We've got three that I know of so far, three stunt coordinators and fight coordinators. Really good. And I've been talking over the past two years with Daniel Lane and he may or may not still be involved. He's really, but if he can get involved, he will. And so we'll have him training us via internet in person at Paul. Are you green screening the uh, the Jedi Temple, or are you just trying to use grounds with on you know within the uh, the vicinity of the temple or not? The well, the exterior shot of the temple is actually a still that our editor is going to make the ships fly by in those straight lines, like the traffic. Sure. Uh, he's he's going to have motion there. He's going to have the clouds moving and stuff like that. Um, the Jedi temple scene outside in the gardens will be shot in Raleigh at a garden, one of those beautiful little mm -hmm. uh, garden areas that they have there, their public gardens. We're going to be shooting in that, and we're going to superimpose the temple in the background digitally. Um, so we'll have a green screen up for that. Uh, the interior shots of, of the Jedi Temple is mostly a corridor and a library, which will also be green screen. The Star Destroyer interior will be green screen. Um, the bar is going to be a physical location. The homestead on Takodana is going to be a physical location. So yeah, that's that's about it. We're trying to do this as much practical effect as possible. Right. Yeah, I was just trying to figure out how you know how closely you were trying to match some of the already established locations that we've you know come to know within the Star Wars universe, or if you were just going to, you know, use something like a garden that would be adjacent to you know one of those buildings or whatnot. No, we're we're doing. Yeah, we're we're doing both. We're using a garden, but we're going to put the temple in the background and things flying overhead. Also, uh, what was I going to say? There, there's, a, there's a scene where I'm chained to a wall in a dungeon, and that's going to be an actual dungeon wall. We're going to build that set, and mm -hmm. that is also going to have its own set build. So let me ask, because you've, you've obviously mentioned a number of items that are already established, and you've got a Star Destroyer bridge, you have ARC-170s, you have the Jedi Temple. This is all stuff that we've seen before in official Star Wars stuff. So it comes to the question in terms of even a fan film that's being made without a budget or without a profit, these are all copyrighted material. Um, you're also using a right. character that's name is copyrighted, a story that Lucasfilm may want to do at some point on its own. What keeps you from having Lucasfilm shut you down? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. If they want to shut us down, they are willing. They are perfectly within their right to do it. Uh, it is Disney property. It is Lucasfilm property. We are doing a fan film. We are paying homage to all things Lucasfilm and Disney and, and Star Wars. Well, then and, my next question would be, you spent two years on this. You're attempting to raise money. You have a lot of people involved. That's a scary proposition if these people are putting in their time and energy to something that you don't have you don't have any assurances legally that you'd be able to complete this. I mean, one of the things, the reason I bring it up is part of it is, is 
in terms of trying to get crowdfunding for something that you're branding as a Star Wars product, whether it's nonprofit or not, it would brand within Star Wars that's IP material. And it seems like something that they would come after you fairly quickly. I mean, they—I think they'd leave a ten-minute fan film alone, but you're talking about six hours worth of three films at some point. But there are other feature films out there. I mean, there's Revan. They're eventually going to do a Revan story. I mean, that's, that's inevitable. I don't—I don't think it's inevitable, but I, I understand that part. But you've got, especially using something like the the Jedi Temple, the Ark One Seventy. You're you're talking about designs that are already copyrighted and shown in a canon film. Sure, but I've seen fan films that have that. I've seen a they have a, there's a Darth Maul film out there that'll blow your mind. And I mean, it looks like I'd swear if it wasn't the actor, what was the actor's name who played Darth Maul? Ray uh, Park. Ray Park. Yeah, if that wasn't Ray Park, I I, I thought it was when I first saw it. I was like, well, oh the my re- God. I'm asking because of ambition. I mean, you you've got over two hours worth of film material to, to shoot. And then I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here. And just in terms of this is the same conversation going. he gives me on a weekly basis. But I don't know about <laughs> weekly, but we'll get there. No, no, um, I, I, I know. I know. Like if you're doing about. a 10 minute film that you're putting on YouTube, that's fine. I think public funding is the big thing. And the thing I, one of the things I brought up when I was discussing with this rich is the guy who tried to do the ad at for America. He was trying to raise public funding just to build a life-size <laughs> ad at and Lucasfilm shut him down within a day of announcing he wanted to get film uh, funding for it because they didn't want anybody to publicly fund a Star Wars project like that. And that's, I think some of it is that public funding too. A lot of the type of fan films we see are privately funded completely. They can't stop you from shooting it, but they can stop you from distributing it and they can stop you from trying to get money for it, even if it's a nonprofit. So I guess the the, the follow-up question would be, how scared are you that it's going to be something that they're going to shut down? I'm not. I I really don't think they're going to shut it down. Uh, I, I haven't seen, they never, let's put it this way. They have the fan film awards. They encourage fan films. I, to my Seven knowledge, have they ever, films, yes. <laughs> right. But have they ever shut down any star Wars fan film? I don't think they have. Not that I, we're aware of. Knowledge, yeah. To my knowledge, they've never done I haven't it. heard much that's this s- ambitious though. That's the thing. And it's also, it's something where you have a growing IP. I mean, Lucasfilm was very, before it was owned by Disney, was very open to a fan film project, but even fan film awards, haven't they not held those every year like they used to? They just started doing them again. Yeah. So it's something where we haven't seen it in, in a while. So. Well, I mean, I, I don't think he's in the habit of being dicks about it either i mean they 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 are you know a big organization but at the same time i mean we're talking about possibly if they if they go if they agree to it having make a wish terminal kids in the film uh this is going to be to you know we're we're promoting this to bring awareness not only to uh childhood cancer but to keep the memory of katie alive in everybody's mouth and talking about it and you know have everybody you know thinking about her again because it's been over 10 years since she passed and memories tend to get short, uh, not for the family, but for other people. And I want them to remember this droid and what everybody did. And I think it would be a really big, big move on Disney's part to pull something like that. Yeah. But corporate lawyers are dicks. So <laughs> hey, we, I mean, we have seen that, you know, Disney hasn't been as aggressive towards fan films as, you know, Paris state paramount for the star Trek films. You know, we've seen with Axanar where, you know, it did get shut down. Axanario was... But Lucasfilm has protected its IP for... I mean, in terms of merchandising, in terms of other stuff like that, if you brand it as Star Wars and you attempt to distribute it as Star Wars, they... Especially at a big scale like this, you're talking about $100,000 worth of film. 
I don't know. It, it's just, I'm, like I'm, I said, it's 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 it's. I'm playing devil's advocate. I don't mean to sound like a total a hole, but it's just something to kind of put out there, and I think it's it's worth talking about. I don't know if you've no, talked no. to you know. I, mean, I guess the next question would be: Have you ever talked to a lawyer or an entertainment lawyer, at least form uh, informally, to try and find out if everything here we is, do is fall the, we do fall under fair use because I'm not. It's not actually going to have Star Wars in the title of the film. Uh, we do have non-canon characters and canon characters in this. However, it's... What was that? Sorry, that was me. <laughs> oh. uh, we do have canon and non-canon characters in the film, but they are cameos at best. Um, in those cases, I really don't think they're going to they're gonna mess with us. I mean, I'd be very, very surprised if they did. Considering the other films that are out there, and we are not the only, you know... Uh, feature film we would be the only ones ever doing a trilogy but mm. you know that's later on down the line but there are other feature films i've i've looked up a few of them well yeah the, i mean the revan one the the big difference between you know because we we have mentioned that one the big difference between that one and yours is that revan is set, value <laughs> well no 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 i mean uh, well revan revan was also set before anything we've seen on screen for Star Wars, you know, within within the canon universe, so, but so, and I think this is where Chris was going is using things that have been established canon. It, it may become sensitive sensitive to Disney more so than it was for Lucasfilm, because yeah. Dis, you know Disney we've seen Disney is very protective over their IPs. Well, it's 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 a confusion of of. Well, it's a confusion of product. I mean, it, it's it's hard to, to really describe, but it's basically you can't put something out that they've already put out and claim that it's, you know, the same sort of thing. Even without Star Wars in the title, it's obviously a Star Wars film. Right. It's like putting out a, a Star Wars novel that you're self-publishing that you're putting Correct. free up on the Internet. Yeah. Even then, you know, it, it, like I said, they could go after it. They could. I, mean, we'll, I guess we'll, we'll see. I hope they don't. Let me, yeah. Let's just. You know, we'll get that out there. We we don't want to see you get shut down. You know, we just these are and trust me. You know, I I've had this through Chris's barrage of questions like this all the time about. I don't want to see your wife spend a whole bunch of money and then you get a letter that says, "Hey, stop." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that would that would that would not be. You want the business answer? Business answer is that's that's a billion dollars worth of advertising. I mean, that's going to only be good for us uh, as filmmakers because I mean, big bad Disney is going to beat up on the little guy, really. Yeah, well, that didn't especially work for one Axnar. that's doing. I mean, the reason I bring it up is that that, that didn't work for Axnar. Paramount shut them down completely. And no, Axnar Axnar is being made. They settled the lawsuit. They're allowed to make the film. Right, but, but it has to come out. It has to come out uh, in two 15-minute parts instead of the feature-length film that they wanted to do originally. Right. And if they tell me to put this out in parts, I'll put it out in parts. I'd rather not, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think length is going to be your... It might be the biggest obstacle in terms of what you would be tempting to do in terms of that length. So maybe if it is, if it's, if it's online chapters, it might even be something where you get away with it. Well, that's what... When we talk to JC, who has made several fan films, who, you know, works very closely with Lucasfilm and... When, as soon as we mentioned that I, you know, when I mentioned that I was going to do or wanting to do a full-length feature, you know, that isn't really established within the Star Wars universe, but it does kind of borderline, I guess. I mean, in a way, without giving anything away, I guess. You know, it, it's 
out there in, in no, the ether. Your idea. Relax. <laughs> no, I know. But uh, what I'm saying is that he he was like, uh, yeah, don't you know the feature film thing is you you've got to watch out for it with Lucasfilm, and then you know and that, like I said, this guy is somebody that was within days of working for Lucasfilm, you know, before the buyout. But like I said, I, I hope that you don't get shut down. I am curious to see how the, the film turns oh, out. I mean, I can't, it's, it would be very easy for me to release this in 15 minute parts. I mean, I can do part one, part two, part three, part four, part five, part six, part seven. You know, I mean, that's easy. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a, it's actually eight parts. If I do 15 minute segments, that's eight parts. So if the feature film is the problem, you know, and I can check into it further, but everything that everybody that I've talked to that are, you know, deeply involved in filmmaking, the Disney would not go after us. I mean, if they did, it's, we're going to make the newspapers. We're going to make the media. I mean, it's like, it's just, they're going to talk about it because they talked about Axtar. And mm-hmm. although the film Axtar is probably like you said, like we said, is going to be cut up. Their filmmaking company has recognition. We all talk about them. We know who they are, you know, and it's that can only be good for me. I mean, honestly, I'll cut it up as many small pieces as they want. You're still going to see the whole film. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Ethan, Sebastian, Mikey, you make any more questions? No. Chris, yeah, anything? No, I think that's it. I think it's just uh, you might want to. Plug it again. Give us where we can. That's what I was just saying. Yeah, where yeah. we can see it, where we can fund it, where uh, I think it's it. Where we can not see it, but whatever. So, see the see the campaign where we can fund the campaign. Yeah, it sounds very the, exciting. The yeah. the, uh, the the crowdsourcing um, site that you're on, I I haven't seen. I'm not very familiar with it, like you know Kickstarter or uh, GoFundMe or those. Do they have it set up like Kickstarter, where there is a, a mandatory time limit within the um, within your project, you know, and and when you are allowed to receive funds? No, actually fundraiser is awesome. It, the donations, you don't have to reach a set limit. Like I set a $50,000 limit, but if I only reach 10,000 that I reach 10,000, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, you get all of it. It, they take their percentage. I mean, a very small percentage, but they, their percentage, um, I think it's like one and a half or two that. And, uh, yeah, it's it's really good, and they, you can put perks on there and all that good stuff. Do they have a? Do they, they have a, like, like a you know you you can only have it up for ninety days or is it? No, like, it's unlimited as okay, long as you yeah. want. That's what I didn't like about about uh, some of the other ones is it was ninety days, you know, and some of them if you didn't reach all of your funding you didn't get any of it. Yeah, I think right. that's I don't know. That's Kickstarter, like Kickstarter still like yeah. that's kind of standard model. Yeah, Kickstarter, I know that's what it was. If you didn't reach your goal, you didn't get anything. The only one I knew was like Indiegogo, which allowed you to get the whatever funds were raised within that 90-day period. Yeah, yeah. this has what's called flexible funding as well. Okay. I think GoFundMe is like that too. Whatever you you make, you get. Basically what we're saying is we're all in the wrong business. We should be in the crowdfunding business. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Start sites to get other people to pay you money to give to other people. Look, if you did your mom, if you put your mom's potato salad up, you'd get a hundred thousand dollars real quick. There was a guy that did that with potato salad. Um, well, we're not make we're not going to make anything off of this. I mean, absolutely, right. we're actually losing money on this a uh, big time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm losing a lot of money on this because, but it's a like I said, it's a passion project. We care about the cause. 
you know, we're going to have links on all of our pages to Make-A-Wish Foundation, St. Jude's Hospital. Look, if it's a choice of you giving it to me or giving it to St. Jude's or giving it to uh, Make-A-Wish, donate to Make-A-Wish. Donate to St. Jude's. Don't give it to me. We're going to make this film. We don't need money to make this film from crowdfunding. We, it would make it. Um, what I mean by that is with what we have right now, we can make this film. $50,000 yeah. would allow us to make it better. Right. Less green screen because every you, Justin has donated all of his time and expertise. So if we wanted to, in theory, we could shoot this entire film in my living room with green screen and people would think we're on a massive, you know, 20, $40 million set. Yeah, it's called prequel. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like the prequels. <laughs> but I don't want it to look like that. I want yeah. it to look better, better than the prequels, not as good as Force Awakens. <laughs> Um, so, um, tell I can us, see you trying to figure out how to fly to North Carolina right now. Oh, I, I know, head, he and like, I already talked I'm about, you know, if, if he was out here, I was there, you know, I'd be helping him with the project. What um, I need are VFX editors. I need people that are, that care about the cause. If anybody listening to this is a VFX editor and, and you care about cancer research and, and, you know, we're, you want to be part of something that's a dedication to Katie Johnson in her memory. And you want to be part of a Star Wars fan film that is going to be on, on the epic side. I mean, there's no small character to address. Uh, teaching a nine-year-old how to swing a lightsaber and, and, and <laughs> use, you know, Form 2 or Form 3 is, is kind of hard to do. <laughs> oh, you had mentioned to me... But, uh, uh, if, if I, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, well, I was saying, if there are any VFX senators out there that are willing to get involved with this and willing to donate to the cause... You can donate by simply getting in touch with me at crystalmagicfilms at gmail.com. It's crystalmagicfilms at gmail.com. Send me an email. I will hook you up with Justin. We can export the files to you anywhere on the planet. You don't have to live in North Carolina. And if you can help with editing and work with Justin, and that would make this so much easier. And let's, let's remind everybody, it's crystal magic, not crystal meth. Because that's yeah. what I heard the first time he said. Crystal magic. Right. Crystal meth. Crystal magic. Crystalmagicfilms at gmail.com. There you go. But you only heard that because that's what your brain went to. Um, so you, you, I know that um, you and I talked, and I know that on your Facebook page you do updates every week for to make sure you know, for your crowdsourcing and also just to keep your fans to um, engaged and then seeing something new. Um, what all are you? What all should they expect that you should be putting out? Um, to keep them engaged. That well, makes I just no sense. Like, that's a Kevin question. Good <laughs> lord. That was that question. <laughs> Halfway through that question, I lost it. Uh, sorry about no, that. No, it made perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to the show way too much. I know. I, 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 I speak it fluently. Um, actually, today, I did my first, my own podcast. I dabbled in it. And I had a bunch of cast members on, and we did a 30-minute show. And uh, I posted it to my Facebook page, and we're calling it Carpe Nerdium. Um, nothing uh, yeah. along this scale of what you're doing, but, uh, you oh, know, thank God. it's... Yeah, no, no, aim higher. <laughs> Don't aim for our scale. We're on the low end of the scale, I think. We have tumblers. That, that took yeah. five years. Yeah, it's... <laughs> so, yeah, before we go... Uh, and you just mentioned the Facebook page. Mention the Facebook Facebook page again and the funding page again, 
so that anyone who's listening can go there. And then you also the, the email address in case there's anyone who can help you with VFX. Again, we want to get it all in one big shot right here at the end. Yes. So our pages, we have our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash S-W-W-O-T-F. That's S-W-W-O-T-F, facebook.com. Uh, we have our fundraiser page. Uh, you can find that actually on our page, but you can go to fundraiser, F-U-N-D-R-A-Z-R.com forward slash will underscore of underscore the, the underscore force. <sighs> wow, it's a lot of underscores. And then we do we do actually have a website. It is willoftheforce.webs.com. All right, and, and, and our email address, again, if you're somebody's a VFX editor or if you want to, you know, if you have any other, you know, skills or whatever you've got, uh, you know, I'd love to talk to people. You can reach me at crystalmagicfilms at gmail.com. Cool. Well, Stephen, I hope we weren't too uh, hard on you. Uh, we weren't. <laughs> Never going to be the same again. <laughs> I, I hope we didn't blindside you. I know that was one of the concerns you had. Um, He's going to get off this podcast and be like, I'm never making another film again. <laughs> yeah. We ruined him. I'm done. I'm done. I'm just throwing it all away. I'm done. Throwing out all my Star Wars toys. <laughs> well, I know where you can donate them to. I'll give you my, my address. <laughs> you don't do any of the Star Wars toys you have now. I have so many now that I just... Don't have the room there, for him. There, there, there was a few. There was a few moments when you guys were grilling me that I'm sitting here reciting. I'm, I'm one with the force. The force is with me. I'm one with the force. The force is with me. <laughs> oh yeah, trust me. You I, don't have to say you guys. You can just blame me. I'm the bad one. Rich knows this. Yes, trust me. I, I, I've second guessed several projects because of Chris. Um. So yeah. Anybody else got anything else for Stephen? No. No, I think we. This is the most either. Mikey's ever talked during one show. I still we we need to do the Mikey and Ethan show so on that note we're going to wrap things up for this week thank you very much Stephen for joining us Uh, we are very much looking forward to seeing how the will of the force comes and good luck good luck hopefully Disney doesn't listen or doesn't pay attention (laughs) to us (laughs) I'm literally thinking, oh God, they're snitching me out. Yeah. Um, if, if they listen to us, we gave we've given away a lot of ideas for shows and and films. And I'm more worried about Fox. But, well, that was one Disney. episode where where Travis and I just gave him like every idea in the world. Well, that's why Disney bought Fox now. We just do a show three years ago, and like those two guys have great ideas about The Simpsons. <laughs> buy Fox and do it. <laughs> See, my, com- my company's called Motion Sound and Magic Films, and I don't foresee them shutting it down. I foresee them buying it from me. <laughs> there you go. Know, that's that's, that's the way to be positive. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. It'll be like, we, we, we want this. You know. I'm um, hoping I get a nod from Disney. I hope Disney looks at it. You know, I mean, when this podcast goes out, we, know, we all know Michael Eisner is going to be sitting there with a pad and paper writing everything down. Of course. But, uh, well, you know, we do have a lot of listeners in San Francisco, and I still swear some of them oh. might be Lucasfilm. We have a lot of listeners in, like, Afghanistan. So <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Those are not Lucasfilm. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping I get a nod from Disney. I hope they see and go ahead. That would be, I mean, the most amazing thing that's ever happened in my life. Yeah. Well, on that note, I think we're going to wrap things up. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, for everybody listening, please check out Will of the Force and Stephen's project. 
So for Chris, Mikey, Ethan, Sebastian, I'm already saying check us out at facebook.com slash nerdables. We're also on Twitter at Nerdables Show and on Instagram as Nerdables. And we'll see you next week. Talk to you next week. What are those things? <laughs> One of those things. We may let people see us next week. God, no. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Yeah, I did. Like I, I told you, I did that podcast so that I could test. Actually, the only reason I did it was to test out my equipment to make sure it worked. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully it worked, or else this is going to be a very weird show. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be one sided. You just don't hear him at all. Oh, we should do that episode too. <laughs> Where we're interviewing a one sided interview with no answers. That would be great. <laughs> we're interviewing Mark Hamill. <laughs>